Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Start the show already. What's up, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. I am Ben Verlander. I am joined by producer Conrad. It is the first episode of the week, and we have a lot to cover. We got a lot to get to today. Of course, off the top, we'll round the bases. Some of the best storylines from around the league. We also will get to my favorite segment this week in Shohei Otani News. First episode of the week, we'll cover some power rankings. We'll talk to you about all the rookies and how they're doing. But let's do this. Producer Conrad, what a week. What a week in baseball it has been. It's been absolutely fantastic, and nothing was better than seeing Miguel Cabrera hit for 3,000. Yeah, um, Miguel Cabrera, his 3,000th hit. Uh, what, a, what a day. What a moment. Um, Miguel Cabrera is a true legend. He is one of the greatest to ever do it. And on Saturday afternoon, I was able to watch him hit his 3,000th hit. I'm not afraid to admit it. I got emotional watching it. I got emotional. I have been around Miguel Cabrera a lot in my life. I, I grew up around that Tigers clubhouse. I got to know Miguel Cabrera at a young age. And uh, then I got to play with him and be in the same dugout as him and pinch run for him in a big league spring training game. So to see him do that was, uh, it was emotional for me. It was emotional for him. It was incredible to see Miguel Cabrera with his 3,000th hit has become the 33rd member of the 3,000 hit club. But it, it goes so much deeper than that. He is now the seventh person to have 3,000 hits and 500-plus home runs. Joining, listen to these names, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Rafael Palmeiro, A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, Albert Pujols, and Eddie Murray. And now Miguel Cabrera. That is it in the history of Major League Baseball. Add on top of that, his career 300 batting average, well, he's the third to ever do that. 3,000 hits, 500-plus homers, a career batting average over 300, and he has the highest batting average of all of those. Absolutely incredible. If you want to throw in his triple crown, well, then he's the only one to ever do it. Special. Very special. You know, Miguel Cabrera is not only one of the greatest to ever do it, but I learned a lot from watching him and as a fan of the game, there's nobody better. There's nobody that, that has more fun playing the game that you can watch. You know, you watch him night in and night out, and he is just in love with the game of baseball. It is truly incredible. Add on top of that, his next-level mindset. I will forever remember one of the first things that I, I had ever known from Miggy. I was hitting with him down underneath the cage in, in Comerica Park, and I was, what, 14, 15 years old, and we were talking about hitting. And he said he knows what the pitcher is going to throw before the pitcher even knows what he's going to throw. He'll set pitchers up. He'll take a bad swing on a slider early in the game, knowing that the pitcher will go back to it later in the game when it matters the most, and he will destroy it. It's, it's the mentality. It's the, the fun that he has playing the game. It's how much he loves the game. It's how much he loves the city of Detroit in his post-game toast to the team. He made it about the fans. He made it about the city of Detroit. How incredible. How awesome it was to see a packed house in Comerica 
absolutely packed. You know, and then you really start thinking about it. And I was thinking about this yesterday, over the weekend, after he got his 3,000 pit. It needs to be known how big of a deal this is. We need to be making a bigger deal of this. This, in my opinion, could be the last time that we ever see a player get to 3,000 hits. And then I I was thinking about that, and then I really dove into it. There's a couple reasons I think that. The game of baseball is forever changed, at least the game as we know it right now. It's a different baseball game. Pitchers are dominant. Everybody's throwing 100 miles an hour. Hits aren't hits don't come as easily as they used to. It's just a different ball game. Then you start looking around the league as it is. Mike Trout, one of the greatest to ever do it, is almost 31 years old. He has 1,431 hits. I look, if he stays healthy every single year and plays in, into his 40s, there's a chance. And then who else has a chance? Jose Altuve. He's 31 already. He has 1,783 hits. In my opinion, and those guys are eight, nine years away from even being able to accomplish that. So there's no way we see 3,000 hits again for almost a decade. And there's a very good chance that we never see it again. And who better, in my opinion, than for it to be from Miguel Cabrera? Going the other way, an opposite field hit. Because, of course, Because of course it was. What an awesome moment. The congratulations he got from around the league was awesome to see. My brother with a a video tribute from Minute Maid Park in Houston. Uh, I'm just sitting on my couch this whole time, like trying to fight back tears, watching Miggy get emotional, watching Jose Iglesias run over from the other team and give him the biggest hug in the world. What an awesome moment. And I had to start this show off with that. I had to start this show off with how special that moment was because he is a special player, but Miguel Cabrera is a special human being. I will never forget being around him in spring training. The joy that he had walking out of the clubhouse every single day. He would see me from across the field and made sure to say hi to me. It's that stuff that matters. The young players coming up through the organization They would go out of their way just to get their eyes on him. He is an icon in the game of baseball. And when it comes to the young Venezuelan players that were coming up, he was was the greatest thing that they could ever see. And now he's doing this. uh, A Hall of Fame, a surefire Hall of Fame career solidified. Congratulations to Miguel Cabrera on an amazing feat that we very well may never ever see again pretty cool oh conrad pretty special moment man so uh, where, where, where are we going to next yeah miggy's one of the best ambassadors that baseball might ever see we talk a lot about it but in our in our lifetime it's him and albert pujols the two best hitters that i think we've ever seen yep. so what a, what a great scene to see there moving on to second base uh an unfortunate scene at yankee stadium yesterday uh, unruly fans at, at MLB stadiums. It happened at the Dodgers uh, Padres game last night, but most importantly, what happened at Yankee Stadium? Yeah, you know, I, I have a lot to say about what happened at, at Yankee Stadium and what has been happening around sports, it seems. Um, it's a disgrace when when fans are throwing stuff onto the field. And for those that are unaware, there's been a couple instances in, in San Diego one fan threw something at Cody Bellinger. Um, but what happened in Yankee Stadium on uh, on Saturday was disgusting. And the Guardians left fielder, Stephen Kwan, goes running back to the wall, crashes into the wall, uh, and is down injured. Fans start yelling it at him and start saying some things. And Miles Straw, center fielder for the Guardians, did not like that. And goes up to the wall, climbs up the wall a little bit to get right in their face and talk to them. That happens in the ninth inning. Later on in the ninth, Glaber Torres and the Yankees walk it off, fall into right center field. While the ball is in right center and the outfielders are going out there, beers, cans, you name it, was thrown onto the field at the outfielders for the Cleveland Guardians. And uh, 
It ruined the moment. It ruined what was a fantastic base- baseball game. It ruined what was a fantastic comeback for the New York Yankees. We, we got to figure this out. There is no place for this in sports. Who, who do fans think they are that they think that they can just throw something onto the field at a player playing this game, no matter what it is? It seems like we have come out of this COVID age where nobody was at games, and we've just gone off the rails. I don't know if it's because people haven't been to sporting events in forever. I don't know if it's because of in the social media age, people just want to seem cool. People want to do things to be seen. We see people running out on the court and playoff basketball games. What are we doing? We got to cut it out. We have got to figure this out because it is unacceptable. We need to have repercussions when this happens for good. We should never allow anybody that is caught throwing anything onto a field, specifically at a player, to ever be back in that stadium ever again. Now, I hear you with with this stadium, with this situation in Yankee Stadium the other night. Yeah, Miles Straw went up on the wall. He he got right in their face. They they had words exchanged. Did that need to happen? Did he need to do that? Was that the best thing in the world he could have done? Probably not. But where do fans get get by on not just retaliating with their words, by booing him, by yelling at him, by even name-calling him in the stands? They're going to throw full beers at him? Potentially hurt him? What are we doing? What, we cannot allow this to be happening. Conrad, this, this fires me up, man. Absolutely fires me up. As it should, man. You hate to see it, especially like you said, it was a great walk off win. You never want to make fans feel like they can't be as passionate as what they want to be. And I think we've all you've seen playoff games, at Yankee Stadium. The place goes absolutely crazy. It's just a really unfortunate situation. You know, I mean, Aaron Judge and, and Stanton went right out to the stands, too, and just kind of went like, hey, guys, like we just walked it off. But it doesn't even feel like a walk off. Feels like a loss. Yes. Kudos. Kudos to those guys, by the way. I, I know it was a lot of the Yankees guys, but. The, the ones that stuck out to me, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, went out there, left the celebration to tell them to knock it off. So kudos to the Yankees players for doing that. Hats off to them. That was important. It needed to be done. But what a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. Talk trash. Say what you want. That's part of the joy of sports is being able to talk trash with players. I understand it. I was an outfielder professionally, no matter where I went. It's just, there's this fun banter that goes on with players in the outfield. And even if it's not a fun banter, yell at them. Speak your mind. But don't throw things. Despicable. Disgusting. No room for that. There has to be repercussions going forward. We cannot allow that in sports ever, ever. Yeah, it's really, really unfortunate. But you know what? Let's move on to even a better subject. And this one's close to my heart. Going over to third base, new Mariners, who this? Mariners start off the season nine and six in a tough game right now against the Royals, but they're looking really good, Ben. What do you think about these Mariners? Oh, baby, we had to find a way to work your uh, your Mariners in there. Look, the Mariners are the real deal. You know, they are good. They are for real. And I predicted this before the season started, and obviously we are nowhere close. There's well over 100 games still to be played. But I said that the Mariners would break the longest playoff drought in the sport. That was my prediction. And here they are in first place a couple of weeks into the year in a much-improved AL West. Um, They look good. They look really good. Now, I just didn't feel like coming into this year, credit was being given to the Mariners where it was due. A lot of people saw where they were last year and said, well, their run differential was awful. You know, they they got lucky. So they kind of wrote them off heading into this year, despite adding a Cy Young winner in Robbie Ray, Jesse Winker, um, Eugenio Suarez, Julio Rodriguez, who's the ultimate prospect, was going to come up. He's been playing for them. Jared Kelnick, I thought, 
and think is going to be better than last year. Adam Frazier, who's an on-base machine, all-star, led the league in hits last year before he got traded to the Padres. They Then you add, you know, Matt Brash, who is a rookie, who we will get to a little bit later in our rookie segment, where we'll update you on all the rookies from around the league, because this rookie class is incredible. This team completely revamped themselves on top of what was already a good team. They, then you go and add a bunch of really, really good pieces. I was a big believer in this team, and nothing that has happened to this point has made me veer from that. I feel even better about it. Let's look into it a little bit. According to fan graphs, the Mariners' offense is the best in baseball. They are leading the league in war and WRC+, which we heard firsthand from Carlos Correa a couple of weeks ago that that's one of his favorite stats to look at when it comes to production. WRC+. That is the, the pentacle, the pinnacle of offense in baseball. The Mariners in action with the best war in Major League Baseball, according to Fangraphs. The, the best in Fangraphs with WRC+. Seattle is a 131 WRC+. Cleveland, then the Cubs, then the Angels, then the Mets following that. The Mariners, the best. This offense is the real deal. And they, they do it all. Adam Frazier's the guy that can get four or five hits a game. In fact, has already done that this year. Then you have guys that can hit the ball out of the yard. You have Julio Rodriguez, who can play fantastic defense. He's going to be better at the plate, but he's providing an energy to this team that is fantastic. This team is really good. Ty France, Ty France is raking. Are you kidding me? We should have known this guy was going to be incredible. They named a country after this guy. Ty France is on another level right now. Unbelievable. Conrad, you're you're a Mariners fan. What do you got on Ty France? Lifelong Mariners fan. You know, it's not always been easy. Uh, I watch probably like 100 to 110 games a year regardless. Usually not good games, but hey, I love them anyway. But uh, you can't say enough about guys like Ty France. I think he was like a 34th round draft pick for the Padres. And they basically gave him to the Mariners for nothing. They were just kind of like, here, you guys want this guy that is getting a couple of starts here and there when we have guys out. Uh, and now look at him, 19 RBI on the season, just his fifth home run today. This is the most fun I've had watching baseball since probably I, I can remember since like the late 90s. Uh, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable to see you have bright young stars in Kelnick and Rodriguez. I mean, you have the J-Rod show on right now. I mean, like, I don't even think you gave reference. Right, to I got the sure shirt. You have. Welcome to the J-Rod Show, baby. But it's it's been a great thing for baseball, and uh, it's a great thing for Seattle. Seattle loves their sports, and I, I can't I can't explain enough like what it means for them to be good, packing the seats uh, day in, day out. You bring in a professional like Robbie Ray. It's uh it's been unbelievable to say the least. And you know, I I, I just can't I can't explain and put into words how much fun it is that baseball is actually great again in Seattle. So bright future <laughs> for the team. Yeah, I mean you can you can hear it. You can hear it in your voice. You can hear it in the stadium at, at Mariners games. I mean, baseball is is back in Seattle, um, and, and this new team is exciting, and they deserve all the credit for playing great baseball right now. This is a good team. This is a fun team. This is an exciting team, and it's because of everything they added in the offseason. I mean, the one of the biggest deals of the offseason was Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. The second this deal was made, yes, Jesse Winker is fantastic. He's an all-star. He was one of the best hitters in the National League last year. But Eugenio Suarez had a down year last year, but he has been an all-star in the past. He had one of the best Septembers in baseball last year. I love that move. And I want to talk a little bit about Jesse Winker, who, who has gotten off to a sluggish start, it appears, batting around you know 150, not great by any means. But there's been a lot of bad luck to this point for him. So he's batting under 150, but his expected batting average, I'm going to get a little bit into advanced metrics here, but I think it's important because this Mariners team hasn't even scratched the surface of what they can be. And I think that's important. Jesse Winker's expected batting average, which a lot of different things go into it, is 279. So to be hitting under 150 is pretty unlucky. And then you look at his uh, WOBA, which is weighted on base average. Right now, that's 276. 
his expected WOBA should be 413. Now, let me explain that a little bit for people that don't understand, and it's very complicated to understand. I, I absolutely agree with that. WOBA is weighted on base average. It's just a little different way of looking at on base average. That number every year of Jesse Winker's career has been lower than his expected weighted on base average, except for one, and it was off by .0001. It's nowhere close right now. His weighted on base average is way lower, almost 200 points lower, and it should be higher. That is extreme bad luck. Jesse Winker, yes, is off to a slower start on the surface, but all the numbers point to him being really good and turning it around and being really good for this Mariners team really soon. And they need it. And one, my pick to click this week, if you were listening to Thursday's episode, needs it as well. I predicted he would hit his first home run as a Mariner this week. Conrad, do you think that gets done? I really hope so. You know, we're doing this uh, this show live on Sunday. So Jesse Winker actually just tied the game up at the bottom of the 10th on a sack fly. So there you go. Speak it into existence. <laughs> there you go. We're, so we are recording this on Sunday. And as I'm talking about Jesse Winker being better than the numbers appear on the surface, well, what do you know? He gets it done and uh, doing big things for the Mariners already. He There's will turn it around. And go ahead. I, I, I think you will turn around, but there's one guy I think we forgot to mention here. And just as a, as a big Mariners guy, you can't, uh, you can't overstate what J.P. Crawford's done in his tra uh, transformation in Seattle. He's the captain, the leader of this team, and he's been an on-base machine this year. And defensively, he was a gold glover two years ago, but this Seattle team has a lot of really good talent, and uh, hopefully they can keep pouring it on. Yeah, I, that's just, I, I wanted to this episode talk about the Mariners because it is deservedly so. This team is full of young and exciting guys and veterans that can get it done. It's a mixture. It is a perfect mixture. I, I add on top of that Matt Brash and what he's doing. This team has the writing on the wall to be really good. I'm not saying they will win the AL West. It's going to be a dogfight out there. But I do believe that they can get into the playoffs. Credit where credit is due. The Seattle Mariners are the real deal. Love it. Let's head on to home plate, and we're going to stay in the AL West. This is uh, not a great story, but it's a story that must be talked about, and that is the Oakland A's and the conflict they've been having with fans and uh, possibly wanting to move to a new city and relocating. Yeah, the Oakland A's, um, this, this needs to be said. When we look out at Oakland, when we look at the A's, people like to talk about the attendance. People like to point at the attendance and laugh. This isn't a fan base issue. This isn't a team on the field issue. This isn't a stadium issue. This is an ownership issue. This is a, this is a problem with ownership and how they are going about things. It is not good. It is not good for the game of baseball. I feel terrible for the fans of the Oakland Athletics. They deserve better. The players deserve better. Yes, attendance is not good out there. I, I don't care. This isn't about that. The Oakland A's in the offseason traded away everybody. Everybody out of there. In turn, the Oakland A's doubled the cost of season tickets doubled they got rid of all their great players and doubled the cost of season tickets they don't want fans in the stands they are making plenty of money elsewhere and they are not spending it by putting a good product on the field by doing anything for the fan base this fan base had to to create their own fan fest before the year Every organization has a fan fest in the city to get fans pumped for the season. The, the, the A's didn't do that. The fan base had to do their own fan fest. They needed to organize their own fan fest. Then, season ticket holders before the year, the ones that did re-up, were told, if you re-up by a certain time, we will send you a Matt Olson jersey. 
Matt Olson's not even on the team anymore. And, and it was a terrible quality jersey, apparently. This is bad. It is bad out in Oakland. And every fan of the game of baseball should stop pointing at attendance numbers and laughing and should demand better from ownership. And it's not just the Oakland A's. This is just the most obvious and prevalent example. There's no room for this in the game of baseball. Is this even going to get better? What does ownership want? Do they want to move? Will it even get... Who's to say if the A's move to Vegas that anything's going to change with the front office? I don't, I don't see why it would. They're making their money elsewhere, and, and they're, they have a low payroll. They're not doing anything for the fans. This is what they want. They're getting what they want. As a fan of this game, I love the game of baseball so much. The game needs better than what is happening out there in Oakland right now. The game deserves better. It is not good what is going on out there, and I needed to talk about it at some point. It needs to be known. Don't look at the numbers. Don't look at the numbers and say, oh, my God, only 2,700 people showed up to the Coliseum. That's laughable. There's no fans in Oakland. The stadium stinks. Let me tell you this story. I've been to playoff games at the Oakland Coliseum, and it was perhaps the greatest atmosphere I have ever experienced in a playoff game. I was talking to Justin recently, and he said that Oakland was maybe number one on his top playoff atmospheres in all of baseball. It was the loudest thing outdoors. Now, Minute Maid is a little different because they can close the roof and that place can get nuts. It is the loudest thing outdoors that I have heard. It is wild. This fan base is real. They are passionate. They love their Oakland days, and they deserve better. And that's what I wanted to talk about here today. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. And now it is time for my favorite segment this week in Shohei Otani News. A performance for the ages last Wednesday. Otani being Otani, he's concerned about the safety of everyone else on the field. The genius behind Shohei Otani, and of course, he's always breaking stats, breaking new records. We will get to that in a little bit as well. Let's start first up with his performance last Wednesday night. A performance of the ages. And I don't say that lightly. It was incredible. It was historic. He was doing it all. And let's start in the batter's box. Let's start with him hitting. In the first inning, he walked and then came up again and hit a double off the left field wall with the bases loaded. He was on base twice before he even took the mound. It was incredible. But then he did. Then he did take the mound. It was one of the most masterful and dominant performances that I have ever seen on a mound. He was through five innings perfect. 
ended up throwing six innings, struck out 12 guys, gave up one hit. It was unbelievable. Now, he only ended up throwing six. But for those six innings, it was dominant. I mean, he was throwing stuff that that I had never seen before. It was moving a ridiculous amount. This talented Houston Astros offense looked like they didn't know what to do. It was wild how good he was on the mound. I sat here last week and this week in Shohei Otani News and said, hey, he's back offensively. Just give him a chance on the mound. He will be back. It will happen soon. And he came back against one of the most talented offenses in baseball and was perfect through five innings and almost was perfect through six. Ended up six innings, one hit, 12 strikeouts. It was incredible. His fastball was hard, upper 90s. His slider was moving all over the place. His splitter looked good. And you know what the cool thing is? There was talk of, is this his greatest performance ever? The cool thing is, I really don't think it was. Which begs the entire question of, what is the ceiling for Shohei Otani? Now, I do believe this is one of the best games that he has ever had in Major League Baseball. It certainly is up there. I think it's probably right around the second or third best game. In my opinion, his best game came last year against the Tigers. He pitched eight innings, eight innings on the mound, gave up one run, zero walks, and eight strikeouts. The eight innings is a huge one for me. Not only did he do that, that was also the game that Shohei Otani hit his 40th home run of the season. 80 home runs, or 88 innings pitched on the mound, and his 40th home run. Unbelievable. Became the fourth AL pitcher to pitch eight innings and to hit a home run in the same game the first since 2006, John Garland. Incredible. I mean, th- that's why, and we'll get to it in a little while. We're, there's a stat every single week that we can give to you that Shoei Otani has broken. He did it then. He did it this week. It was a historical start Wednesday night. He was unbelievable. He also ended up dropping down a bunt hit. Ended up beating it out. So another hit. He bunted. He was throwing a perfect game at the time. Bunted for a hit. Gets on base. The guy, he does it all. It is incredible. It is masterful. It is historic. Shohei Otani of the Angels is the only MLB player in the modern era to strike out 12-plus batters while allowing no more than one hit on the mound and also reach base safely three-plus times at the plate in the same game. Unbelievable. And it truly does. It got me to thinking, what is the ceiling for Shohei? I don't know it. And that's the cool part, is we don't know. We don't know what the ceiling is for how good of a game he can have. And that's pretty awesome. And that's what makes him so special. You know, what also makes him so special is just the guy he is, the human being he is. The other night, he struck out a batter on a nasty pitch. It was disgusting. The batter slammed his bat on the ground, broke it. A piece of wood flew off, chipped off of the bat. Shohei sees this and is very concerned. Wanted to make sure that it got picked up. Wanted to make sure that it got picked up so nobody happened to get injured. He saw it, was very concerned. Hey, wait, somebody somebody picked that up. (laughs) That's Shohei. That's the beauty of Shohei. It's incredible. It really is. It's cool. He is incredible. He's one of the greatest athletes that the game has ever seen on the field. But off the field, he's kind, he's caring, and that's what it's all about to me. The combination, well, that's what makes him Shohei Otani. It's pretty cool. You know, after that start on the mound the other night, Joe Madden vocalized this and said he doesn't really need a scouting report. He just, he knows. 
He knows how to go about his business. He's next level. So he's a genius. This, he eats, sleeps, and breathes baseball. That is what he does, and it is seen out on the field. It's, it's truly incredible. This is what Joe Madden said. You don't need to give Otani a scouting report. He knows the opposition. He knows how he feels. He attacks hitters based on what he's seeing and what he's feeling. That's just the genius of how he works. Like I said, baseball is his life, and it shows. He plays the game. He goes back. He studies the game. He gets to the field. He studies the game some more. He, had a, he didn't have a great start in his last outing against the Rangers. So what does he do? He starts preparing for the Astros. And he said, I'm going to be better. I know how to attack them. I know how I want to attack them. Here's what I'm going to do. Obviously, he attacked them a certain way, but his stuff was unhittable. His stuff was virtually unhittable that day. He ended up giving up one blue pitch. But it was incredible. So that leads to the stats of the week. The Otani stat of the week, where every single week that I do this week in Shohei Otani news, I feel like there is just this absurd, ridiculous stat that's either never happened before or has hardly ever happened. The one from this week, in his start against Houston, Shohei Otani had his second major league game of striking out 12-plus batters and allowing two base runners or fewer. Since he entered the league in 2018, only three other pitchers have had multiple games of this type. Those pitchers, Justin Verlander, he's done it three times. Garrett Cole, he's done it three times. Chris Sale, he's done it twice. And now Shohei Otani, who has done it twice. That's pretty good company, I would say. Incredible. All of those pitchers are or have been elite. I mean, we're talking about his pitching here. Shohei Otani could and has the potential to be a Cy Young pitcher. This isn't even talking about him offensively. If Shohei just focused on pitching, which I do not want him to, I truly believe he could be a Cy Young Award winner in this league. He still has the stuff to do it. And this is a stat that is just talking about his hitting, when you th or his pitching. When you throw in the hitting, that's just a whole other dynamic. He has the potential to lead the lead in, in home runs. He has the potential to be an MVP just for what he does offensively. It's special. And every week, there is some sort of stat to prove just how special he is. But I don't need the stats. I know he's special. That's why I've been talking about him and had this segment for over a year now. This is season two of having this week in Shohei Otani news, and it's because I know how special he is. And I feel like no matter how much I talk about him, I truly can't talk about him enough. He is that special. And that does it for this week in Shohei Otani news. I can't wait to see what this next week brings, but I'll be right back with a segment next week to tell you all about it. This week in Shohei Otani News. All right, and now it is time to get into Ben's Rookie Report. I have been very vocal that this rookie class could potentially be one of the greatest that we have ever seen. So I want to highlight that every week, every Monday show, I want to talk about the rookies and just give a little update on how they're doing from around the league. Let's start in the National League, and let's start with Hunter Green. Hunter Green of the Cincinnati Reds throws harder than almost anybody on the entire planet. He is breaking all sorts of records for how hard he is throwing as a starting pitcher. His most recent start was against the Cardinals, and it didn't go fantastic. Ended up giving up a few runs, didn't go super long, three and a third, punched out three guys. But he's also coming off a start before that against the Dodgers, where he was dominant. Hunter Green is going to, as with any rookie, he's going to have his bumps and bruises. But I truly believe he's going to be really, really good. The guy's throwing 102, 
103 miles an hour as a starting pitcher. It is unbelievable. Not the best start in the world against the Cardinals earlier in this week. Look at this tweet from Sarah Lang. Hunter Green pitch tracking era records tonight. 100 miles an hour pitches in the game, 39 of them. 101 mile an hour pitchers by a starting pitcher. 13, he broke that record. And 101, 101 mile an hour strikeouts by a starting pitcher in a game, two. Tied with Jacob deGrom and Justin Verlander. Man, pretty good company there. So not the best start in the world, but his stuff is incredible. You should watch him every single time that he pitches. Producer Conrad, who we got up next? Next up, we have the legend from Chicago, Seiya Suzuki. Oh, man. Seiya Suzuki, my prediction to win National League Rookie of the Year has been better than I could have even imagined. He's been fantastic. Came out of the gate super hot, but he hasn't really cooled off. Over the weekend, had another three-hit game. Um, still hitting really well. High batting average. Another bomb over the course of the past week. Seiya Suzuki has come over from Japan and dominated Major League Baseball incredible to see his whiff percentage as in how many how much he swings and misses minuscule he doesn't swing and miss much he hits the ball hard he hits it for power he gets on base he's doing it all say suzuki is one of the best rookies out there right now look my prediction conrad is looking great for nl rookie of the year i know it's early but man does he look good Yes, he does. He is going to be an absolute stud out there for years to come. And he had a great game yesterday, too. I think he was three for five with three runs, hitting out of the two-hole as a rookie. I mean, just really impressive stuff in Chicago. Up next, we have a, another young flamethrower from San Diego, Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, Mackenzie Gore um, wasn't on my first rookie report, I don't believe, because he hadn't gotten the call up yet. Now he's come up. He's thrown two times and two games. He's thrown 10 and a third innings with 10 Ks and a 1.74 ERA. Mackenzie Gore has all of the talent in the world. He's a big, tall lefty, throws hard, good stuff. And he's been a, a well-known prospect for a little while. He just hadn't been able to put it all together to this point. But he starts this year in the minor leagues and was doing well, gets the call, and has been fantastic. This is a guy that has a ton of potential. He just hadn't put it together. So, Conrad, I'm, I'm really excited about Mackenzie Gore to see what he can do. He's one of those guys that has all the talent, but when and can he put it all together? And through two starts in his career as a rookie, he looks fantastic. Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts of what kind of impact he can have on this Padres team. There is still a young Padres team, but they don't have Tatis back. I mean, do you think this guy could help take him over that hump this year in the NOS? Well, th they need guys to step up offensively and the pitching needs to be better. Um, you know, the pitching staff last year certainly had some bumps and bruises. Clevenger goes down, misses the year. Blake Snell wasn't near as good as I know he can be. And now you start this year with another good-looking team, and, oh, Fernando Tatis, he broke his wrist in the offseason. He's going to be out for a while. So where do you pick up the production around the team? Because everybody else needs to be better. Every facet of the game needs to be better. Manny Machado has certainly done his part. Hugh Darvish has looked good most of his starts. And Mackenzie Gore has stepped in and been a huge bright spot so far for this team. Ten in, over 10 innings, 10 Ks and a sub two ERA. That'll get the job done. That, that will get the job done for anybody, anywhere, at any time. Absolutely. Now let's take a quick shift over to the American League and look at some of these rookies. First up, we had him on the show last week, Spencer Torkelson. Yes, we did. We did have Spencer Torkelson on the show. And you know what he did just a couple of days later as almost everybody does that has come on this show he hit a bomb to right field oppo taco that actually scored miguel cabrera who had just gotten his 3,000th hit so miggy gets hit number 3,000, ends up scoring thanks to spencer torkelson we talk about a passing of the torch that was 
as poetic as it can possibly get. An oppo taco. We talked to him last week. If you haven't yet listened to the Torkelson episode, go do it. An incredible guy, a great player, but he spoke a lot about what Miguel Cabrera means to him and has meant to him thus far in his career. And for them to be able to share that moment now, that was special. It was really cool. There has been a passing of the torch in Detroit, and his name is Spencer Torkelson. Miguel Cabrera is still there to watch it all go down. It is pretty incredible. But look, Torque is... He got off his career, started, I think, his first four games without a knock. But his his last week or so, his at-bats have been awesome. A lot of walks, having really good at-bats, working deep into counts, hitting line outs, getting his hits now, hits that bomb to right field. Um, got a hit on Sunday. The dude's looking good. Torkelson is the real deal as a human being and as a player. So he is my prediction to win American League Rookie of the Year. and. Uh, I, I like the, the corner he's starting to turn. He's getting more comfortable. You can see it at the plate. He's the real deal. Go listen to that episode if you haven't. You'll become a fan, I promise. Yeah, he's, he's a great dude. Coming up next, we're going to stay in the AL Central and talk about Stephen Kwan. Yeah, Stephen Kwan, the Cleveland Guardians. He <laughs> has come out of nowhere to be one of the most talked about rookies, specifically because of how he started his career with you know the most amount of pitches seen without a, a swing and a miss. Well over 100 pitches seen without swinging and missing. That is incredible. He was hitting 500 for a while. He's still hitting well over 300. Banging into the wall in left field at Yankee Stadium. Complete disregard for his body, putting his life on the line. This guy plays hard. He's good. He puts the ball in play. It's what you love to see as a rookie. So we had all these names that we were talking about before the year that is going to make this rookie class so great. But we weren't talking about Stephen Kwong. And he has forced his name into that conversation. He has been really good and really fun to watch for the Guardians. If you don't know, now you know. Up next, pitcher from Seattle, Matt Brash. <laughs> I love this guy, and and he's another guy that, um, unless you were deep and dark into the weeds in baseball, you didn't know this name before the year, and you might still not, and that's why we do this segment. Matt Brash is a young rookie in Seattle that has come up throwing 99 miles an hour with wipeout stuff, wipeout off-speed stuff. He is so good. He's faced some tough offenses to start his career, but he has looked really good out on the mound. I mean, he is nasty. Punched out seven in his last outing. Gets the win. Or got a win last week. The guy is the real deal. Conrad, as a, as a Mariners fan, I know we've talked about him a good bit. But am I, am I talking about him too much or is this guy the real deal? No, he's the real deal. I mean, we'll see how real of the deal he really like is going forward. But I mean, his stuff is just absolutely electric. Very, very like high rate swing and miss stuff. I mean, anytime that pitching ninja gives you like whole day of your start dedicated nothing but Matt Brash stuff, it's it's great to see. But I mean, I think the biggest thing about him is is being a young rookie. Listening to what his uh, manager Scott Service said, basically just said, "Hey, this guy's a professional. Like he he's never too hot, never too cold. He shows up, and you would not think this guy's a rookie." You would think he's been there, done that. Yeah. And uh, that's extremely impressive to see from a puppy. Yeah, he's been, he's been really good. And he's a big piece for that Seattle team that I obviously talked a lot about at the beginning of the show. But uh, who we got up next, Conrad? Up next, the guy that hit the walk-off in Houston today, Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena. I mean, this guy has just forced himself at the top of the AL Rookie of the Year conversation. Steps in. For Carlos Correa, as we all know, and has been great. You know, started off the year swinging the bat incredibly. Cooled off a little bit over the course of the past week, uh, but was playing dazzling defense. He's looked great out there at shortstop. And then on Sunday, in that game against the Blue Jays, which is a game that you, you never want to say it's a muscling game early in the year, but they had lost the first couple of games in the series. They needed to win that one. He actually made an error late in the game and then made up for it by hitting a walk-off bomb to dead center as a rookie, his first walk-off homer 
stormed around the bases with all the passion, all the energy. It was awesome. Jeremy Pena, who we got to talk to down on the field in Anaheim after his first hit and his first three-hit game and his first home run, he's incredible. He's a great guy. He's quiet. He plays the game hard. What a great dude. What a great rookie. What an exciting guy that, look, at the beginning of the year, I was looking at Julio Rodriguez. I was looking at Bobby Witt. I was looking at Torkelson. Not only has he put himself on the scene, but he has stepped in for Correa and made himself probably the AL Rookie of the Year front runner to this point. Fantastic. Yep. Next up, we got that man from Seattle in center field, Julio Rodriguez. That's right. I'm wearing the shirt. The J-Rod show, baby. Shout out Breaking T for the shirt. This dude, J-Rod is, Julio Rodriguez is, is a super prospect. And he's one of those guys that you just can't wait for your team to get a hold of him. He is fantastic. He started off the year a little slow. I have to add in here that of anybody in the league, he has to be getting called out on strikes outside of the strike zone more than anybody else on the entire planet. I know last year it happened to Shohei all the time. He led the league in it. It's already happening to him again. But Julio this year, it's been incredible. But the man is heating up. Couple Two hit games a couple times over the weekend. Already got six stolen bases. Playing incredible defense. This guy isn't wasn't known for his speed and has come up and been great. Stolen a bunch of bags. Been really good out in center field. Making a ton of diving plays. Man, he's a good rookie. He's exciting. He brings an energy to this team that they need. You saw it the other night over the weekend. He had bases loaded walk. It was a huge walk. Flips his bat, pumps up the crowd. I love watching Julio Rodriguez, the J-Rod show. He's electric out there in Seattle. He absolutely is. I think, I think you said it best, and I think that's the number one epitome of what he brings to the Seattle club is fun. He brings fun and excitement and joy. I mean, every time you see the kid, he has a smile ear to ear, no matter whether he strikes out or hits a single, steals a base. He just has carries himself so well. And I mean, he is, he's the best prospect I think the Mariners have had since Ken Griffey. I mean, you, you, you hate to say that, but I mean, it's true. He's electric. Uh, moving on, yep. another extremely electric rookie, Bobby Wood Jr. Bobby Wood Jr., one of those names that was on everybody's list to start the year. Offensively, Hasn't been fantastic yet. Um, look, it is still early. We're not even 20 games into the year. It is still early. He's not even 20 games into his major league career. So let's not go too hard on, him, on all these rookies that aren't out of the gates blazing hot like we all thought they were going to be. But he's doing it in other ways. He's stealing bases. He's playing really good defense. Bobby Witt Jr. will be fine. Over the course of the last week, hit 235, stole a bag. Um, this guy's really fast. You know, you hear, you hear all about him. You hear how good he is offensively. You hear how much pop he's got. But to add to that, his speed, that, you can help the team elsewhere. Uh, so he doesn't have to be swinging it. He's not swinging it as I know he will, but uh, he's doing it in other areas. So Bobby Witt, um, super prospect as well. He's one of those guys that the baseball world has been waiting to see. He will figure it out soon. I am sure of that. And last but not least, we added a new rookie to the list this week, Joe Ryan. And another one, baby. Uh, I got Joe Ryan on my fantasy baseball team, actually. And this guy, and I've actually heard opponents talk about him. Like, his fastball isn't upper 90s, but it plays like it. I mean, watching him throw is a lot of fun. Um, he's thrown 16 innings on the year, 16 strikeouts with a 169 ERA. What, what more could you want out of a rookie? This guy was their opening day starter. Everybody's saying, wait, Joe Ryan, opening day starter? What, what are we doing here? Well, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're putting a guy out there that can pitch, and he can pitch at this level, I promise you. So we're going to be doing this every week, rookie report. I think it's important because this rookie class is so good. So we will keep updating you right here on Flippin' Bats every single week with Ben's rookie report. But as we do every Monday, it is time. You love them. You hate them. I don't care. We're going to do them. Ben's Power Rankings of the Week. Every Monday show, we do this. Now, it's important to state the weekly Power Rankings. This is not 
record-based. This is the best team in baseball who I think at any given point every Monday when we do this. Producer Conrad, let's do it again, my friend. Let's start with number 10. Coming in number 10, they were your number one team two weeks ago, the Houston Astros. Yeah, that's a good point, and I'm glad you said that. They were my number one team two weeks ago after the first opening weekend of the year. Then last week, they made a pretty good slide down the list, and now they're hanging on by a thread to this list. Um, they won a big game on Sunday against the Blue Jays, but they lost that series. Look, this one is simple. The Astros are one of the best 10 teams in the game of baseball. I know they're not at the top of the AL West at this point, um, but they are a really good team. That was a big win on Sunday for them. Jeremy Pena has stepped in and been fantastic this year. This lineup is good. Look, the, the truth of the matter is Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker, two very, very good hitters, just both cracked an 0-for-19 stretch over the weekend. Those guys are better than that. We all know they are. This team is really good. They will turn it around soon. I have no doubt they will be climbing back up this list pretty soon, but I have them at number 10 right now. Coming in at number nine, we got those Seattle Mariners. Yeah, look, I've been talking about them a lot on this show. Talked about them off the top. This team is fun, and I really think they are just starting to surf, just starting to scratch the surface of what they can be. I think they're still figuring out what they are, but they're having fun doing it. Jesse Winker will be better. Um, this entire team is fun to watch. They do it all. They can, they can hit for average. They can hit for power. They can pitch well on the mound. They can steal bases. They can play good defense. J.P. Crawford, Crawford, a gold glove caliber guy at shortstop. Um, Julio Rodriguez has been great in center field. Mariners, first time ever for me. Not even this year. They didn't make it last year. This is their first appearance ever on my weekly top 10 power rankings. Things you love to see. Coming in at number eight, the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, the Brew Crew, um, they, they had a good week. They, they're starting to figure out a little bit offensively. This team is based around their pitching. Plain and simple. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. As long as you have those guys healthy and at the top of the rotation, you're going to be a really good team. They had struggled offensively. They were not doing great, but over the course of the last, you know, last week or so, it's been better. The offense is better than they had been playing. I got them at number eight right now. Coming in at number seven, San Diego Padres. Yeah, look, this team at the beginning of the year, I said, you just got to tread water and be good until Tatis comes back. Then, then you go. Then you be great. And they have done just that. Hard-fought series against the Dodgers. They end up losing that series. But nobody's saying they're as good as the Dodgers. They, they're playing good baseball. They're good. They're having guys step up offensively and fill in for Tatis. Machado has been phenomenal to start the year. Mackenzie Gore on the mound has stepped up. Darvish looks good. Uh, I really like what the, what the Padres are doing, and it starts with Bob Melvin. This is a similar team to what they had last year, but the leadership is very, very different, and I think he makes a big difference for them this year. I have them at number seven. Number six, the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I like the Cardinals. I like how they're I, I like how they're playing. Nolan Arenado is, you know, it, it's funny. He comes over from Colorado last year, and everybody's, well, he's not going to be able to hit away from fours. He's never he's never hit great. Well, how you like him now? The dude is incredible. Tyler O'Neill's been good. Paul Goldschmidt. This team is has started off fantastic. Fantastic. I had the Brew Crew win in the NL Central, but I had the Cardinals right there, and they're going to give them a run for their money. I like this team a lot. I like what they're doing. They need to figure out uh, the shortstop spot. They need to figure out what's going on there and get some more production there. But I'm telling you, if this team can be really good and then get Flaherty back to what we know he can be, we need him healthy. The sky's the limit for the Cardinals. It really is. I got them at six. Come in number five, the New York Yankees. Yeah, big jump. 
big jump here for the Yankees. Um, you know, I, I had them to start the year right around here, and then it was just bad for a long time. It was ugly. Uh, offense wasn't able to do anything. They were getting shut out left and right. Garrett Cole wasn't pitching well. But now we're here, and they look good. They sweep the Guardians. Garrett Cole has a masterful start. Um, the pitching staff is the best in baseball, statistically. They've been really, really good. So they're climbing back up the list, and the New York Yankees are back in the top five. Number four, San Francisco Giants. Yep, I, I, I really like the Giants, and everybody, they never get the credit they deserve, but they're good, and they continue to be good. They had a, look, the, the Mets are good this year. And that, that series between the Giants at the Mets was just such good baseball. It was fantastic. The Giants are the real deal. We got Gabe Kapler out there ready to cut some kneecaps off. He's a gamer. And he's made that entire Giants team just a bunch of gamers. I got them in number four. Number three, the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, the Blue Jays. They're just so fun. They're so good. They do it all. Um, I, I really like them. They put together a little win streak to end the week, uh, end up losing on Sunday, walk off via Jeremy Pena. But they're really, really good. They do it all. They mack. They, they absolutely rake. They have one of the best lineups in baseball. Their pitching staff is starting to turn around. Barrios has been much better of late than he was his first start of the year. Uh, I like the Blue Jays. I think they're a full, total, complete team. That's why I have them winning. That's why I have them winning the East, the AL, and even the World Series. So I'm still liking that prediction. I feel good about it. I have them at number three right now. And number two, we have the New York Mets. Another tick up the power rankings. This is the highest I've ever had the Mets. I believe I had them at three last week. They just keep making you believe. The Mets were the first National League team to 10 wins. They just keep winning. The pitching staff has been great without Jacob deGrom. Offensively, Lindor, Pete Alonso, Eduardo Escobar has been so good. They are a complete baseball team. I was a believer in the New York Mets before the year started. I said, I've had enough of hearing the Mets are going to met because I'm a believer in this team. And they have proven that they are an elite team in the game of baseball right now. They are at number two. At number one, no surprise here, Los Angeles Dodgers. Man, this team is really good. The lineup is so good. Let's talk about this lineup. Yeah, you have Freddie Freeman. Guess who they also got back? 2019 Cody Bellinger. He's looked so good. Mookie Betts finally hitting two bombs the other night after a slow start to the year. Trey Turner's been so good. I mean, this lineup just keeps coming and coming and coming at you. So good. Then on the pitching side, Clayton Kershaw's been so good this year. I mean, the bullpen has dominant stuff. The Los Angeles Dodgers are the best team in baseball. They have the best roster in baseball. They have been playing the best in baseball. And as long as they stay healthy, this team is going to do things that are special. And that is why they round out this week's top 10 power rankings. They are my number one team right now in the game of baseball. But moving on, before I wrap up, as with every week, I like to do a little extra inning segment, something that catches my eye or something that's special, whatever it may be. But this week, Joey Votto. If you don't know, Joey Votto is on social media. And I mean all social media. And he doesn't just have an account now. He is active. He is hysterical. You're missing out if you haven't seen it. He even, look, he's been on TikTok even. And the first two times he made a TikTok on game day, they went 2-0. and Then they went on like an 11-game losing streak. And he made another one on Sunday and said, sorry about this. We're just 2-0 and, and I make TikToks. They won. So we can expect a lot more TikToks out of him 
I fully expect that. But on Twitter, he's been great. He tweets at Miguel Cabrera saying, hey, I used to study you, even as, even as a player. Uh, Joey Votto has been one of the best first basemen in the game in his career. And he tweeted at Miguel Cabrera and said, hey, I used to finish games and go home and watch you. Watch your at-bats in the day. Study you. He is hysterical. He does not care what people think. He is a fantastic social media follow wherever you want to see him. Make sure you check him out. He's on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It's hysterical. What a great personality he has. It's fantastic. Uh, but that does it for this week's episode of Flippin' Bats. Thank you guys so much for listening. These Monday episodes are great. A full recap of the week that was, and then a bunch of new segments. I will see you all soon. Make sure you like, subscribe, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever it may be. We have social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. You can watch every episode on video via YouTube, so make sure you do that. I appreciate you guys. This has been another fun episode, and I will see you next time on Flipping Back.